Ladies and gentlemen, 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 gentlemen you are now, 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 now listening to two, 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 the P13 Podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to the P13 Podcast. Again, another informational episode here from yours truly here at the P13 Pod. Well, technically it's Studio Pod, so shout out Studio Pod for uh, providing us with all our pod Shout out alerts. Shout out. Uh, also... Remember, you can uh, keep the conversation going on Instagram, and our Instagram is at Project13Gyms. You can leave a line, you can shoot us a DM, you can even put a post on how this podcast has taken your fitness to a different level, or maybe you've gained a new perspective on certain things, mobility, exercises, mental health, Uh, you know we try to hit all those things in this podcast every Tuesday when this drops. Now, when you're listening, it could be Friday, could be Wednesday, could be Saturday, could be a Sunday morning. Maybe you're having brunch by yourself and you wanted to listen to a podcast, throw on one of our podcasts, learn a little something, tag us in a photo and keep the conversation going. Anyways, you heard that second voice in here. We're keeping with the theme of actors this time through. Uh oh. This is a deep Orson Welles like voice. The informational Han Solo. Orson Welles. Orson Welles. I don't think I've seen any of his films. Deep voice. But Oh really? Yeah. Oh well. All right. <laughs> uh <laughs> the Google search. <laughs> I know. I have to. Deep voice actors. Deep voice actors is the best. You gotta look for them. But yeah, that is the one and only Mr. Thomas Conway. Hello, Mr. Calla. Hello, sir. How are you today? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. It's a beautiful Friday here and surprisingly beautiful. The sunny fog, San Francisco today. The fog burned or the sun burned through the fog. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the name of the fog out here? I can't remember. Carl. Carl. With a K. Why do they call it Carl? Uh, you know, someone just did it once and it stuck. Interesting. There's no, there's no, you know, scientific reason. It's not an acronym. It's just Carl. It's like, come, you know, when you hear those phrases, I don't know. This just reminds me of when people think of those phrases that you're like, um, oh, strike while the iron's hot. Like, where does that come from? I guess, well, for sure, iron. I mean, that one. <laughs> selling like hotcakes, things like that. Where do these all, are all these sayings come from? What's the origin stories? Of yeah, they usually sayings? have like a really old, I mean, striking while the iron's hot, that's back when blacksmiths were more common. And, you know, that was a more common thing that if you struck it when it was cold, it's not doing anything, <laughs> you know? That means you got to do it quick. Selling like hotcakes, I think is, uh, right? I just think they sell fast because they're good. I think we. I said this. Also, one. are hotcakes pancakes? I see. I don't know. Because if they're pancakes, then yeah, I understand why they sell fast. So then, if you Sounds have delicious. steaks that are hot, do you want to sell your steaks like hot steaks? Well, you usually want steaks about like, uh, n- not like super hot, according to Chef Charlie. Shout out Chef Charlie. Oh. Uh, you know, you want it. You got to let the meat sit for an equal amount of time. So if you cook your steak ten minutes. Don't touch it for 10 minutes after it comes What's off. What's the, the reasoning? Because it keeps the juices in. If oh. you cut into a hot steak, 
juices go all over the plate and you, then then that's all your flavor right there oh interesting yeah it does make a big difference really yep so i'm guessing you've, you're speaking based on your experiences here some might say i'm a steak connoisseur of sorts fair enough yeah i know i see the ribeye on there still but yeah been doing a little less ribeyes a little more new york strips also mm. delicious also very delicious very yeah. delicious yeah how how's jujitsu going for you too surviving <laughs> yeah which is good nice yeah but anyways speaking of that because you do that barefoot right i do actually that's a great segue this is a great segue into what we're talking about we're talking about feet here y'all feet not in the foot fetish kind of way no okay? not in the settle foot. down folks no 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 we're talking about the thing that maybe you don't always take into account in terms of your training it is often covered by a leather shoe a canvas shoe things like that there's oftentimes things protecting it if you're in san francisco you probably want to keep your feet protected yep there's a lot of um stuff on the streets stuff that you don't want to get stuck into your feet no. that gets into your bloodstream there's also about pigeon needles. wings oh there's oh yeah that's We've right we've seen there's that in the alley of our place Oh, that's true. That is very, very true. cleanly taken off. That, that's maybe a story for another day. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> it's the thing that helps propel you throughout your day, getting from place to place. If it's functional, I should say, some of us don't have the function, have the uh, opportunity to use their feet on a day to day basis as well. But for those who have the function of it, it helps you through a lot of your daily activities, maybe some of your recreational sports, going to the gym, doing the chores, picking up the baby, things like that. The feet are a valuable part of the body that help you every hour, every moment, every waking moment maybe, and it helps you do a lot of things when you are active. Now, some of the things are, well, why do I have to worry about my feet? What is it about the feet that will help me throughout some of my movements or help me achieve some of the things that I want to do in my day? That's where, well, that's why this conversation has come about. Something to think about here as well. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about feet for a second. What is a uh, foot comprised of is the first question. I think we all know what it looks like from the outside but your foot into some snow yeah you're barefoot barefoot in the snow Ooh, yeah that's nice cools it down um so the feet have over 200 bones in them and 29 muscles so when you think about that first of all i mean that's a lot of moving parts in a relatively compact structure right there's 10 muscles attributed to the ankle and then 19 muscles that are attributed to the intrinsic foot and so basically what you can think about with that term is it's it's kind of like the inside of the foot or the bottom of the foot basically anything that's not the ankle right so there's 19 muscles in in that part of the foot mm -hmm. how many muscles are in your body M Ooh, muscles ah, that's a tough question that Do is you a know? tough question i don't Do know, know off the top of my head um i know that the bones is what is it we'll google it but uh, yeah, so that's the anatomy of the foot, right? So there's a lot of a lot of small elements that go into into the foot, very similar to the hands, right? And that's we're going to talk a little bit about that too in a second. 
Then there's also the ability to use your feet. I think there's been some interesting research on a study of some extreme foot users. And in these cases, there's actually a study on individuals that were, I don't think the sample size is very large, but individuals that were born without upper limbs. Oh. And so they had to learn to use their feet. And what's interesting is they did somatotopic maps of brain activity when these people were using their feet to paint. What they found is that the same areas that would normally light up when the hands are being used, lit up when those people's feet were being used. Oh, interesting. So that's just kind of an interesting example of neuroplasticity in this case and like the brain's ability to use the feet in that way. But the other thing is too, is we're like the only primates that don't use their feet like as much. So basically all other primate species use their feet a lot more than we do. So yeah, here's, here's the little blurb. Unlike the fingers represented in all primates, individuated toe maps have only been found in non-human primates. So basically what that means is um, non-human primates have a different mapping system in their brain for their feet and toes, mm-hmm. uh, similar to the hands. Got it. Whereas the humans really only have them for hands. But what this study showed is that in extreme cases of, of foot users, they were able to essentially use the hand mapping area of the brain for the feet, wow. which is kind of fascinating. So that really is kind of a, um, that's just a little anecdote. It's not necessarily applicable to people that do have upper limbs, right? But it maybe does indicate that like the more that you get or the better that you get at using your feet, you know, there's, there's a, a possibility that you can improve neuroplasticity. Got it. Um, maybe that's what I'm trying to say. Um, and maybe you wouldn't have sprained your foot like I have these yeah, past few weeks right. ago. You need to do more foot training. I do need to do a little more foot training, which kind of segues into the next part of this, which is the foundation of the body. Yeah, so the feet act as the foundation of our body, right? And more specifically, they are an an intermediary um, basically acting in our relationship with gravity, Mm. right? Gravity is acting on us at all times. And that is a big reason why our geometric structure is the way that it is, is because of gravity and how we're bipeds and stuff like that. Again, the foundation being the foot, right? That's what most often is in contact in, in contact with the ground. And then gravity is then pulling on the rest of our body with force being transferred through the feet. So if we think about that, it starts to become pretty clear that the feet are very important in the structure of our entire body. Because if, for example, you have, and we'll talk more about maybe some common foot issues, if you want to call them that, mm-hmm. or ailments. But yeah, if you have something going on in, in one foot, it's very possible if you're compensating with your walk, like even if you're limping because your foot hurts, we'll just say that, but you're then going to start to be carrying the hip of that leg in a way that is maybe not ideal for structural balance. And not not saying that like your body should be totally symmetrical at all times. There certainly could be like a limp is going to probably lead to maybe some some structural issues 
up into the hip, which could then impact the back on that side, right? Mm -hmm. If you're constantly hiking your hip on the left side, then that left low back is probably excessively pulling up on that hip to kind of hike it because you're not walking with a normal gait. So yeah, so it essentially impacts everything upstream, how we move, our posture, etc. Then it's also going to impact our walking gait, which we've talked a little bit about in the past. But essentially, you know, the thing to think about with your walk or your walking gait is that each of those are reps. Every mm -hmm. step is a rep. And actually, David Weck and Weck Method, they have a phrase that they like to use. I, I believe it goes along the lines of every step stronger. Right. It's and good, so good it's a good phrase. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, so the idea there is like you are constantly trying to improve your gait which again, a lot of it has to do with the health of the feet. It's funny you say that. I've been I caught got called out about that when I initially hurt my foot because what I've was was happening with my feet is that instead of going through a proper gait, I think what was en ended ending up happening was my feet would just slap. Slap. Yeah. Just slap Slappy in the feet. ground. So which may may not, I don't know. We I mean, there could be a multitude of things, but definitely maybe one part of the reason why my foot is injured is because my gait is not yeah. set up properly. And that could be because my feet were not set up appropriately for what I was doing at the time. Right. Which is playing basketball. Right. And I think I have a similar kind of walking gait that, you know, I've tried to over the years adjust, mm -hmm. but that is something where if I'm not thinking about it and we'll talk more about like, don't be lazy down the line. But if I'm not thinking about it, yeah, my feet tend to slap too. I also think that I felt that more when I transitioned to wearing barefoot shoes. Ah, yeah. So maybe that means that some shoes hide what you actually need to see. Mm -hmm. And yeah, and we'll talk more about that. Like, like you may be able to mask some, some deficiencies. Resolutions. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's obviously, there's obviously a lot that the feet could be involved with. And so then some common problems that, that can occur from weak feet. I mean, the list would be pretty long, but just to cover a few, I think back pain could mm -hmm. certainly be one. If you, if you are, if you're constantly over pronating with every step, then that's going to pull the knee and the hip in, which is then going to shift the pelvis in a way that could start to create back pain of course knee pain mm -hmm. for the same same kind of reasons plantar fasciitis is a common one mm -hmm. um, that you see a lot that is usually common in people that are like doing pretty high volumes of running so for someone like that they'd maybe want to look into getting a running gait analysis or something like that and seeing if they can improve it and then there is uh, foot drop, which I think is slightly different than flat feet, but then there's flat feet as well. So flat feet is like, well, we just actually saw the statistics, 30% of the population has flat feet. So those are just some basic ones, but you could have like toe issues as well. Yep. Like there could be, you know, issues with, uh, with the toes for various reasons. And we'll, we'll kind of touch on maybe some of the causes of those things too well, down the line. Yeah. And I was just going to just piggyback off that and just talking about the toes, just thinking of like the body as a kinetic chain 
and it's maybe even just leading with the toes. Now, it, of course, the chain could be differently, could be interpreted different, but in different parts of the body. But like to look at just the foot specifically, if you have maybe some dysfunction with the toes, the toes are directly associated with the plantar, right? And like having issues with one aspect of that chain, now the rest of the chain is affected by that. Maybe it's the plantar. If not the plantar, maybe it's the ankle. If the plantar is not working appropriately, the next the next area up is the ankle. Mm-hmm. Maybe the ankle has to take a brunt of the load, which is not meant for a whole lot of stability, right? Yeah. And it just continues all the way, way up. And you're just going to potentially end up with issues that may stem from the foot, but maybe showing up elsewhere yeah for sure and we've talked about on other episodes related to pain and injury a lot of times the the area in which you're experiencing pain may not be the problem area the direct cause yeah the direct cause right and that like a lot of people will say if you're if your low back hurts you need to look either up or downstream mm-hmm. right it's either a limitation in the T-spine or a limitation in the hips. Usually it's a limitation in the hips in that case, I would say. Mm-hmm. The same thing, like if the hip is hurting, look to either the knee or, or, the, or the spine as a potential culprit. But yeah, I think I, I would agree that, you know, as I've gone through more just different methodologies, I do think that the feet are one of the, you know, if you're, if your feet aren't sorted out, it doesn't matter how much you work on everything upstream mm-hmm. because again, the relationship to gravity and the feet being kind of the intermediary, the feet will constantly be then pulling you back into that bad pattern, mm-hmm. right? So if you have medial knee pain because your foot is pronating too much when you walk, well, then you can do as much mobility and flexibility work and stability work on your knee but as long as that foot continues to overpronate you're going to continue to fall into a situation in which you have medial knee pain yeah yeah that's deep well we're deep thinkers here we are deep thinkers here like you said earlier 30 percent of the population deals with this it's flat feet whether you have normal feet or flat feet it shouldn't be the limiting factor of what you're trying to do. Correct. Correct. You can still work with what you, what God has given you or whatever entity has given you. (laughs) (laughs) I think that's the only choice you have, you know, that's true. Just got to keep moving forward. That's very true. Very true. But, uh, I, I always notice like some people will look to their flat feet as an excuse for, yes, them not being able to do certain things yeah. or them not wanting to do certain things because the feet are the limiting factor for them. Yeah. With that being said, it's just like, no, what we've talked about in here is like, know what your body has mm-hmm. and try to work on it through certain, or try to work on those areas so that you don't have that as an excuse. Yeah. And I think also too, it's like, you know, it's similar to the conversation about people squatting with no ankle mobility. Mm hmm. A lot of times when we encounter that in the gym, what we'll do is we'll elevate their heels, right? Uh, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't work on your ankle flexibility, no, right? And vice, vice versa. So it's like a twofold situation I see it as, 
one, like you can still do a ton of stuff. It's helpful to know of ways to work around the problem for a period of time so that you can do those other things, right? Like the, the case of, of squatting with no ankle mobility, but at the same time, in conjunction with doing that thing, you should also be responsible in a sense and like do the thing that's going to, or the things that's going to get that area better. Mm -hmm. In the case of the squats with the ankle mobility, do some ankle dorsiflexion work, Mm -hmm. stretch your feet, all those things. Um, In the case of flat feet, maybe it's just gripping the floor and then creating like an arch for your foot. Or doing, doing like exercise on the side, like, you know, towel scrunches and marble pickups and Ooh, marble pickups are fun. Things like that. They're fun. They're tough. Yeah. They are very tough. But yeah, so I think that, you know, I I also, I I would agree that, you know, and we were talking about this before, I think 30% is an underestimate Mm. for flat feet. Most of the people that I see and work with, when I see them walk, I think their feet are relatively flat and, and, or they tend to pronate when they walk and this I've been noticing this a lot more recently um call me weird but when I walk sometimes I look at the person in front of me and I look at their feet (laughs) and what they're doing and almost every time the inside ankle bone is caving in which means that the foot is pronating Mm. to an excessive excessive amount I would say so in layman's terms it's almost like the feet it's are making in. kind of a V. It's cave, yeah, it's caving in with every step. And to me, that's a sign of a weak foot. Mm. So then what can we do to train that? Yeah, so there's a lot of different things that you can do. And also, I, I, I do want to say this before I get into this. Part of the reason this conversation has come to our mind, I mean, Cal and I have been talking about this a lot recently, but also this week, I got quite a bit of shit for my footwear from oh. the 615 class <laughs> calling all you out for giving me a hard time. It's okay. I can take it. Keep it coming. But I was wearing some barefoot shoes that shout out Vivo, like, by the way, shout out Vivo barefoot. Yeah. We're still waiting for that sponsorship. It's okay. Take your time. <laughs> I was wearing some footwear that look a little different. Some of the comments I got was, I believe Henry said that it looked like they were from the Mayflower. Or maybe that was Jackson, one of the two. One of the two. And then... Someone said they were homemade. Yep. Susan thought they were homemade, I think. Which I think that's a compliment. Or was it Susan or was it Rose? I don't know. They looked like good homemade shoes. But so anyways, people give me a hard time. And ultimately what I said... I Actually, I think this was last week. Ultimately what I said was, look, I'm going to have healthier feet than you all in 30 years. And that's when Jackson said, yeah, and you'll be the one you know, laughing at us. Which is true. <laughs> But so that's one of the reasons this conversation was top of mind. And I know you're all jealous of my footwear, so it's okay. But so some things that you can do, and we'll talk about minimalist shoes here in a second. Some things that you can do, try some foot specific stretching. So if you are someone that is tight in the feet and the ankles, the first thing you're going to want to do is try to open those bad boys up. So examples of this, we've been doing this a lot more in the gym recently, um, working on that it's got a couple different names, but uh, seated tibialis stretch. So that's where you sit on your heels with the top of your foot on the ground. Mm-hmm. It's also called a size of position. 
There's also such things as a size of chair out there that you can get. Oh, yeah. You've been looking into one. I have. I haven't pulled the trigger on one yet, but I think I'm going to get one. And basically what that is, is it's a slightly, it puts you in a slightly elevated position as compared to a full on like size of stretch or a seated tibial stretch. And that is good for people that are really tight in the ankles and feet because you're probably going to have a hard time just getting into size if you if you are super tight. Mm-hmm. So the size of chair makes it so it's going to be a little less intense and a little more tolerable. And you're going to be more willing, I think, to spend time in that position. And that's really what it is too. just spend time in that position. Don't necessarily focus on cranking out a huge stretch, but just spend time with your, your feet and your ankles flexed like that. And over time you can get to the point where I mean, now I can pretty much just sit in size of like, like all the time. So that's the first one. Then stretch your plantar fascia. So stretch that by, that would be another uh, seated stretch where you basically sit on your heels, but this time with your toes on the ground in a, what would be flexed position. Your toes are flexed. Toes are flexed. Yeah. So... That one can be hard at first too for a lot of people, but what that's going to help with is making the, the fulcrum of our foot more mobile, which then allows us to do things like be able to stand on your toes, Mm. go, go. I mean, I guess it would be like tippy toe. You're you're better able to, yeah, you're better able to like get into a tippy toe position which really is just a sign of strength in the foot, mm-hmm. right? To, and to be able to hold it, right? Or to do like do a squat in that position or something like that. Well, it's funny you say that because that's one thing I noticed once I sprained my foot, not the ankle, the foot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was hard to get into that position because the plant, like essentially for me is the tib ligament. Mm-hmm. But it was hard to get, onto either the tippy toes or stretch that position because of how like intense that my pain was on there. Yeah. And ever since like working with some of those things, like getting to the tippy toes that has helped my recovery process Mm -hmm. on there as well. Yep. Yeah. I mean, it's uh like I said, it's just a sign of strength in the foot and the better that you are at it. I would say the less likely that something like a foot sprain would occur. Mm -hmm. You can do soft tissue work on the plantar fascia too. And this is something that's really easy to do. If you're sitting at home on the couch watching a a show, you know, maybe you're really into inventing Anna. You look like Burl Gass. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. Right? (laughs) Such a strange accent. Yeah, you can be sitting there watching that and just rolling, rolling your plantar fascia with a lacrosse ball. I would definitely recommend a lacrosse ball. Mm -hmm. Then you can do like foot specific strength training, right? So that was kind of like stretching and mobility that we just covered. Then there's actual strengthening the foot. So one thing I'm going to reference is a group called Gota because they do kind of exclusively this, right? And their, their primary focus is on locomotive athletes runners, um, football, uh, football, football players, football players, there. That football players are a big uh, group that they serve. They do a lot of what would be considered normal movements, but with their own touch on it. Mm-hmm. You know, you could say they go to 
go to Isaac. I don't know if that's a, <laughs> the correct nomenclature. And basically that change usually is spending more time in the balls of your feet. Mm-hmm. They'll have you do a squat, but it's like in the balls of your feet. They also have specific slant boards. Some of you may have seen the slant boards at, I, I have a pair of the slant boards at P13. Yep. And that is training you to spend more time on the outside edge of the foot. And that keeps the inside ankle bone high. And that strengthens all the intrinsic foot muscles. It also is going to strengthen the inside of the ankle. And I mean, I've gone through a go to session before and afterwards, there's no doubt that like the inside of my ankle is pumped. Mm. It's like very pumped. I can tell it got a lot of work and they also have like very specific calf raises that they do and stuff like that. But you can even just do this in your own training. So like one thing we're really big on at P13 during the lower days, during the lower warm up, when we do our banded sidesteps and monster walks, I always tell people keep the weight in the balls of your feet, right? So when you're doing a lot of unloaded movements, that's going to be the most quote unquote athletic position Mm -hmm. and the most active position that's going to help keep the entire as we were talking about before, kinetic chain active, right? You don't want to get stuck in your heels. No. You know, and sometimes it just feels stronger in that position too. In oh, for sure. Yeah. Cause you're getting more activation upstream. And again, like think about a situation in gotta, athletics or in sport or whatever. Got to dodge a bear while you're hiking. Yeah. You're not going to do that <laughs> sitting in your heels. No, you're just not like you're getting caught flat footed. Like there's that whole phrase. Mm-hmm. Like you get caught flat footed. That's when you get knocked over. So spending more time in the balls of your feet. Then this one, minimalist shoes. All right. We mentioned this earlier. I think that oftentimes, and I, I will admit I was this person at one point. Oftentimes there's a belief that just getting minimalist shoes will make your feet stronger. But the reality is it makes you have to think about your foot posture more. Yeah. Because if you get minimalist shoes and you just go, Walking normally like you were before or whatever. That's when, again, like I said, I noticed more of my foot slapping, right? Mm -hmm. Because I was used to thicker soled shoes in which I could strike heel to toe as I walked and that, and I wasn't aware of it because of the padding. So that's where you do have to, when you, if you make the transition to minimal shoes, you just have to think about your gait a little bit more, especially as you're getting used to them. Um, but that's true. Cause you, you'll see a lot and you'll see it market. It'll be marketed a lot in the fitness world about having flat shoes, flat shoes. Flat yeah. Shoes. Yeah. And nobody really talks about like actually transitioning to them. Mm-hmm. Like there's no question that you have to ease into them, especially if you are somebody that like runs or something like yeah. that. If you're running when in you Hoka's first get them. Yeah. If you're running Hoka's and you switch them in, like it's a huge drop, especially from Hoka's. Cause hokas are just, you're like walking on like pillows. Yeah. <laughs> Essentially you're basically taping pillows to your feet and going for a run. But if, if you look at some of these running shoes that are built out there, there's a pair. I only talk specifically cause I know this from my pair is like, a, a, I'll take the Adidas ultra boost. There's a 12 millimeter heel drop between from the heel to the toe. It's a 12 meter millimeter difference. That seems pretty big. It's a pretty big drop. It is very big. Why do they do that? Uh, just to offset. I think it's. I, oh, because to let people strike heel to toe. Uh, I, I think so. I don't know the exact science behind that, to be honest. But there's different 
heel drops per shoe. So to go from something from yeah. 12 millimeters from to zero. heel to toe to, yeah, flat. It's, it's, it's definitely going to feel different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's something that people need to be aware of is if you are changing, just understand that you're going to have to do some work. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, I do think it can actually make whatever issue you're experiencing worse. Like if you have that overpronation, it's probably going to make it worse because now you don't have an arch supporting Mm -hmm. the foot. So, but what I would also say too is I don't think that orthotics are the solution to foot issues Mm. and foot pain. Yes. I think that they're overdone and really what it does, I mean, the best way that it's, that I've heard it described and this, to me, this totally makes sense is it's as if you're wearing a cast, huh. right? So if you put a cast on your arm, what happens? You're supported, but it's like, you're not really moving. But what happens physiologically? Oh, yeah. You're, you're going to have some atrophy. Yeah, exactly. So an orthotic is no different. It's basically a prosthetic arch going into your shoe. And so why would your arch then need to remain strong? Mm. Right. It's like, you know, we have to remember that the body is a, the human body is a constantly adapting organism. So whatever stimulus you provide it is what it'll get used to. And with that, avoid the bullshit. Avoid the bullshit. Thank you again for listening to the P13 podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Make sure you subscribe and leave us a five star rating. This podcast was produced by Project 13 Gyms and a special thanks to Studio Pod Media for providing the studio space and additional production. Absolutely. You can find us on social media on Instagram at Project 13 Gyms. You can find myself at Kemifan. That is K-E-M-I-F-A-N. How about you, Thomas? Where can they find you on your social media? You can find me at Conway Bunga. That's C-O-N-W-A-Y. B-U-N-G-A. You can also check us out at project13gyms.com. And if you're in the SF area, come train with us at Project 13 Gyms in Lower Knob Hill.